hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Leah Valley with Love podcast. I'm your host, George Wacker, and today we're going to listen to our live episode as part of our Lehigh Valley Passport to History monthly program. Uh, we're trying to talk all about Halloween and local scary stories. We want to say thank you to our podcast sponsors, of course, made possible in Lehigh Valley, Michael Bernadine with Remax Realty, and of course, Molly's Irish Grill and Sports Pub. You can find their links in our show notes. So prepare to be scared. You can also watch this uh, episode as a video. Check out our show notes. Let's get to it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special Halloween edition of our Leah Valley Passport to History's monthly virtual program. Each of these 30-minute episodes highlights a different theme and discussion from the historic sites participating tonight. And tonight, if you couldn't tell, we are exploring haunted historic Lehigh Valley. I am not the bell guy. I am your host, George Wacker with Lehigh Valley with Love Media. I'd like to invite you to take our 12 foot tall skeleton crawl. If you haven't heard about it throughout the Lehigh Valley, we have a user submitted Halloween decorations and skeletons and you can visit them much like this. We will leave a link in the comments and you can go ahead and take a look at that after the show. Now I'd like to tell, I gotta turn off our little Halloween music here. Um, I wanna tell you a little bit more about Passport to History. Lehigh Valley Passport to History is a partnership of 50 plus historic sites and resources in and around Pennsylvania's Lehigh and Northampton counties. The group helps to promote local tourism and shares historical activities, events, tours, and exhibitions throughout the Valley. Lehigh Valley Passport to History, lvhistory.org, you're looking at the website right here, is funded in part with funding received through the County of Northampton's Hotel Tax Program, the Lehigh County Tourism Development Grant Program, and the Institute of Museum and Library Services. Visit lvhistory.org for more information Jerry, good evening from Bethlehem. We're about to get started here, and we're excited because tonight we have Craig Kohler of the Kutztown Area Historical Society. We're going to hear about the haunted 1892 public school building. We have Sarah White of the Siegel Museum. We're going to visit two stops on the Erie Easton walking tour, and we also have Hannah Franco of Quiet uh, Valley Living and Historical Farm, and we're going to learn more about the tragic event at the property when a family member was struck by lightning. So, guys, I want to welcome you all uh, to the show this evening. Thank you so much for taking time out tonight. Thanks for having us. Hello. Hello. How's it going? So, we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. So, Craig, if you wanted to begin and uh, tell us a little bit more about the Kutztown Historical Association, and then let's uh, sorry, the Kutztown Area Historical Society, and then let's also get into some of these these spooky stories. I'm gonna start with a spooky picture. This is a historical society itself. That is the 1892 public school building in Kutztown that houses the Kutztown Area Historical Society Museum, archives, and offices, and all of our programs and activities are held in this building. Now, it's a great picture. Um, I took it, so I have to say that. Uh, and uh, there have been rumors of, of this building being haunted as long as I can remember. 
This was used as a school until June of 1977, and I was one of the last students who uh, actually had classes in here, and nobody ever wanted to stay after school in this building because it was big and old and creepy. Um, it's still big and old. It, I don't think it's creepy anymore. I love it. I've been in this building by myself with all the lights off and nothing. Uh, I've been in the building on a nice sunny Sunday afternoon, and I hear somebody walking in the hallway, and I go out and look, and nobody's there. And then I come back in the room and I hear them walking and I go back and look and nobody's there. So um, as you can tell, um, I have a lot of stories to tell. Yeah, I mean, the, like, it's really eerie to get that eerie sense during the daytime. Yeah. So can, can you, we have a couple more pictures here. You said you sure. kind of have a story for each one. So I'm going to bring this one up. Okay, this is our front stairway. And uh, this is something that happened. I joined the, the board of the society in 1997. I was a member of it since uh, right after high school. I won't tell you when that was. But uh, <laughs> the Historical Society purchased this building. Oh, gosh, I forget when it was. I think it was 1980 or 79 around there. And one of the first things mm -hmm. they did was redid the floors. And the gentleman who refinished these floors was in the building working alone by himself. Now, mm -hmm. at the bottom of this photo is a landing at the top of the stairs, and the, boat, the photo is taken from there. He was working in that area, and he heard somebody come in the front door. Now, he was working alone, so he called down nothing, and he heard somebody coming up the stairs, and he looked over the stair, over the, the railing there and saw nobody, and they kept hearing them coming up the stairs towards him. Now, again, this was in the early part of when the Historical Society bought the building, which was in the early 80s. He mm -hmm. just returned to the building after that incident last fall and told us the story. So he, he stayed out for, for uh, almost 40 years. What, what did he say? Like, what was the experience? He saw nothing. He just, he just heard somebody walking up the stairs towards, towards him. And that's enough to keep him out for 40 years. It, it sure was, I guess. Oh. <laughs> No, no, and honestly, being in that type yeah. of situation, if you know nobody's there. Yes. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. So All right, let's bring up the uh, But yeah, he, he swore he would never come back. But he was here when we had like hundreds of people in the building. So I think you felt comfortable if there were actual people in the building with him. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to bring up another one here. Okay, now this is something that I actually experienced. In okay. 2003, we had a, a huge... Um, museum exhibit of artifacts of the Native Americans of the Kutztown area. And we had an opening night, it was a Friday night, and had, you know the, the board of directors was here and the, the membership and everything. And we were cleaning up after that because the next morning is when we were opening, we had a full weekend of events. And the two, I was president of the society at the time and the two curators of the exhibit and I were standing right in this area talking about the next morning and we heard a loud scream <laughs> a scream a scream a woman oh. screaming and we stopped now you know we live in kutztown uh but uh you know this, this is more noise than usual because the college right so we stopped talking and then we heard this the scream again and all three of us looked towards that wall because the scream was coming from that wall and then what? we heard it. We heard it a third time. Like where the display is. Is that where the display is? It was coming. Yeah, the wall behind there. It was coming from there. So what did and, you do? Uh, did you go? Well, is there anything in there? Or 
the, it, the walls uh, are, um, I don't want to say hollow, but there's a, a, an area where you can crawl down. There's actually ladders in there because the early days of this building, they had like a convection to heat it. So they had these okay. huge, huge vents to circulate air through the building. It never worked, but they're still there. So we looked towards that wall and we thought, well, you know, I don't think anybody was down in there. If they were, they're still there because we didn't go in, inside and look. <laughs> but um, I said, what was that? Only I put in a couple of extra words that I don't want to use. I'm sure. And one of the other curators said, oh, well, that was the ghost. And the other curator who had just spent the past two weeks here till midnight cleaning artifacts by himself, just like whimpered, don't say that. So we think that maybe having all these artifacts, now we, we were very careful to make sure that we didn't use anything that had mm -hmm. been taken from a, a burial site. Sure, okay. Um, but we still think that may have stirred something up. We're not sure, but we certainly heard uh, heard that so like, after, oh yeah, like an audible like you guys would look at each other like we just heard a scream yes and we, we yeah. it wasn't like just once and done it was it got us our attention the first time the second time it really got our attention because we all looked where it was coming from and the third time <laughs> it was quite clear where it was coming from yeah oh man so that but that that's that's my big experience i experienced some, some other uh, weird things too but, but there's definitely like having something audible like that is, yeah yeah it's wild yeah. Um, do you want to say to bring up this third okay. one, or do you, if you have more to talk about? But yeah, no, no, I'll bring no, up no, this third no. one. I was going to say if you want to bring up the third one. Yes. Now, um, our our ceilings are very high in here. As I don't know if you can hear an echo with me talking because oh, you're in there now. You, there's no ghosts. Well, I can go in right now. Here <laughs> if we, we are. catch one on camera, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, right up there. Um, we had a local painter. He was in here painting. He had scaffolding. He was in here alone. He was up on the scaffolding painting, and he felt somebody rubbing his back. No. Um, he still comes back, though. I think he liked the massage. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's so spooky. But whenever he comes back, if he's in here working alone, he has a radio blaring. Just to – Yeah. Yeah. Was that like a, a, a ghost, anti-ghost type thing? I don't know. I don't know. It makes him more comfortable. I mean, I, I personally, I, I, you know, I would be not thrilled, but I would find it very interesting if I would experience something like that. So I don't think I would chase it away. The screen was pretty cool, though. You know, I, I, I left that night thinking, wow, that was pretty cool. Um, I, I would imagine at the time, though, you're like that. Yeah, it's not cool. But looking but, back on but, it, yeah. you're, you're thinking it's like, did that happen? You know. Right. But, you know, it, it was that we we like okay. It wasn't like oh, did you hear that? And that was it. We heard it distinctly three times. And that's when you when you look at each other and you're kind of like, okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah, you heard it too. Exactly. That you was know? exactly yeah. what it was. We were just like that. Right. That was there. That that did happen. We didn't just you know. I didn't just hear it. So yeah. And um, and the one guy grew up in a funeral home. Uh, so <laughs> to hear a yeah. ghost here and be creeped out, uh, it's pretty interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, anybody like rubbing my back, unless it's like a good, you know, yeah. a solid massage, I think I'm I'm out of there. I'm turning the music up as well. Yeah, I think that would, that would, I, I, I would, um, <laughs> 10 years later, I might think it was interesting. Put it oh, man. Craig, sit tight because we want to come back to you to, to right. tell us uh, what's going on at the Historical Society. I'll be um, Well, we're going to jump right over to Sarah, who's got some, some equally scary stories. In fact, <laughs> 
you have an upcoming um, tour. They're going on now, right? The Eastern Walking Tour is going on now, right? Yes, they're throughout October. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about those? And then I know that you had two that you, you wanted to share with us. Yes, I have. Um, so thank you to George and to everyone who oh, is Oh, yeah, and thank in. you so much. Hi. <laughs> Um, our Erie Easton, Erie Easton walking tours relate tales of murder, mischief, and misadventure throughout the downtown Easton Historic District. And the tour itself encompasses 10 different locations, but it's important to note that, unfortunately, many of the locations that the stories actually take place at uh, were just too far to walk comfortably. Uh, too far to walk comfortably, too. So we've tried to tell these stories um, in as similar a location as possible. So for example, one of our stories is of, uh, his name was Johnny Ferrara. He was a mobster during the prohibition era and he was shot and killed at the Black Horse Inn on Route 611. Now it's, it's a little, uh, little too far to walk to for uh, a right. walking tour, um, but we tell that story at a building that was known to have been a speakeasy during prohibition. So at least the, the locations are similar. And our primary concern was that this was not a jump scare tour. Nothing was going to pop out of the alleyways and scare you. Uh, we wanted to make this as educational and as solidly based in historical documentation as possible. Um, during the research and the writing process, I relied really heavily on um, NCHGS's own library and archival holdings. I am sitting in our library right now. Um, so we used maps, court transcripts, newspaper articles, um, and really heavily photographs. We have a photograph that accompanies each of our stops. Um, instead of the jump scares, we focus on wrestling with the uncomfortable truths about our own history, right? We don't need to add mm -hmm. to things. History is ugly enough as it is. Um, so I know I don't have that much time, but I'm, I want to share two of our most sure. popular stories. Do I have, is this the correct one? Yes, the map okay, is go good. Uh, so this is a map from our archives of, um, this is part of what the downtown East End Historic District would have looked like in the 1850s. So we tell this story, I'm pointing at the screen like you can see where I'm pointing, right? Uh, so we tell the story <laughs> where it says you are here. Um, on the left-hand side of the screen, you'll see a star that's marked the Winton House. And on the right is a livery stable. Um, so when you were standing on North 4th Street, when Easton was founded in 1750s and even up into the 1780s, North 4th Street was really the edge of town. Um, mm -hmm. The town only had about 50 people at the time of its founding. And where the livery stable was, was the site of a small pond. Now the story comes to us from a woman named Mrs. Elizabeth Ellett, who arrived in Easton at about 1850, um, ironically the year that this map was made. And she wrote a story that was eventually published in a Philadelphia ladies book called The Fate of the Flirt in the Olden Time, which is <laughs> as great a story as it sounds. Um, so she sets a scene with a really beautiful picture of uh, a frontier village, Easton, in the early 1770s. She, she said that she heard this story from one of Easton's oldest residents. So if you can imagine this story being told over the last 250 years, like a game of telephone, right? It starts okay. with one story and who knows what you end up with. Um, but the idea uh, of the story was that a, a husband and wife had moved into Easton and they were very different from the German settlers that were already in the area. Uh, the house that they were building was filled with uh, what she called luxury housewares from Philadelphia. Um, the husband, we think, was a member of the Colonial Assembly. 
the wife was described as very beautiful. And the husband is returning, uh, going back and forth from Philadelphia to uh, participate in the colonial assembly, which means that his wife is left alone in Easton. And from what we have gathered from different sources, uh, including Mrs. Ellett, that the husbands of the town were spending far too much time with Mrs. Winton alone and that their mm. wives were understandably becoming very jealous. Uh, so the very short version of this story is that the wives decided to take revenge on Mrs. Winton by uh, either intentionally or unintentionally drowning her in the nearby pond. Now, we don't know if they intended to drown her. They, uh, Mrs. Ellett writes that they were just repeatedly dunking her head. I guess no one decided to check that she was okay at the end of it because she was found murdered the next morning. Um, and I, when, I, when I tell this story, I, I think about, um, you know, we're, we're telling a story of like trying to imagine that this part of Easton at this time is completely covered in woods. No one lives in town. Um, right. Committing a murder probably would not have been that difficult, um, but it's it's amazing to see how much Easton has changed since the telling of that story. And one sure. of the things that I really enjoyed in in working on this tour was trying to piece together where all the events of the these stories would take place. Right. So mm -hmm. if she says, "Well, I know a guy who has a stable near where the pond was," then we have to go back and find where the stable was which we did find. And then we had to track down where the Winton house was. Um, so again, this is just an example of really getting into like the actual factual information that we have um, about the tour. That uh, must be neat to kind of like tie, like to when you're doing the research, to, like hear kind of a, a folk tale, but then find factual evidence that you can back it up with. It's pretty cool. Right. And I mean, do, do we know if she was intentionally murdered? No, but Right. Uh, it's it's nice to try to find as much uh, historical evidence as you can and, and try to piece it together from there. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the next story, we're lucky that we have a lot of documentation uh, and we have uh, court transcripts, photographs, newspaper articles. Um, okay. This is a little bit newer. So we were we were kind of lucky that we had more information recorded for the for this story. Um, if you could switch to the one about the Laros murders. Yes. Uh, so this translates roughly into the Laros murders. Um, I believe the German text underneath is an entire family poisoned by an ungrateful son. My German is oh, yeah. not great. So if that needs to be corrected, please tell me. Um, so this story, again, this one takes place a little bit north of Easton, up Route 611, where the Mineral Springs mm -hmm. Hotel was. Uh, there was a home. Okay. The Laros family home was just across the road from that hotel. Um, and on May 31st, 1876, the gentleman that you see on the photograph here, Alan Laros, poisoned his entire family by putting arsenic in their coffee pot. Um, now, Yikes. we're really lucky that we, we are able to find all 375 pages of the court documentation um, the photo that's on the screen right now was a German newspaper pamphlet that was published shortly after the trial. Um, so going through the, the court testimony, uh, Clara Laros, Alan's younger sister, who was 12 years old, stated that they all got sick at the supper table. Um, Edwin Laros, at the age of 16, said that he drank the coffee several times and it tasted, it tasted peppery, it burned his mouth. Um, so the more or less the entire family was killed by drinking arsenic and the children, they hadn't had as much to drink. So they, they did recover. 
Um, but the interesting thing uh, about this this case was it was the first successful case of an insanity plea in Pennsylvania's history. Um, so really? The Easton, um, the Northampton County Courthouse, the prosecution, the Commonwealth argued that the motive was greed, uh, that Alan Laros wanted to attend law school, but his parents wouldn't pay for it. So he, he murdered them Kill to them. get their money. Logical, right? Um, but the, the defense argued that he actually suffered from epilepsy and that before a seizure and after a seizure, his mind was not in a place to understand the consequences uh, of his actions. Um, so it, it went back and forth for a couple of months. He was eventually, he was found uh, guilty of murder in the first degree. Uh, then the uh, the defense sued the courthouse, um, I'm sorry, for, uh, sued the Commonwealth for writ of error um, and on like something like 20 something different charges. Uh, the case okay. was eventually brought to the Supreme Court in Philadelphia, where they did declare that Alan Laris was legally insane. And is that that's the Supreme Court? It was just in Philadelphia at the time. Yes. Yes. Or, okay. Uh, the, Pens the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Creepy. Yeah. So um, there's there's a lot in that story. So um, yeah. So these well, aren't I mean, even ghosts. Are, it is. Yeah. I mean, these aren't even. I mean, some of them. I'm sure you have ghost stories with them, but a lot. This this is even kind of more interesting this is almost true crime type stuff as well oh yeah fascinating to me but. that's that's one of our our most popular stories again this was one that was too far to walk to um but we we always right. make the disclaimer that uh we tell this story at three birds coffee house uh because of the coffee connection <laughs> but we're very clear yeah. that nothing happened at the coffee house the coffee is Good. perfectly safe <laughs> everything is fine yes um just check to make sure your barista doesn't want to go to law school before yeah. you order the coffee um but th this was one of my favorite stories, I think, because there was just so much solid evidence. Um, right. So you're able, like, you, yeah, it's not, I mean, yeah. it's fun to have that telephone type story, like you said, but it's also right. I, really interesting to have so many facts from something that's from the 1870s. Mm -hmm. So. I but that, that's, that's history for you. It's one or the other. <laughs> that's right. Um, we're going to keep with time. We're going to come back because I want to talk about Howie, of course, and, and um, he's watching right now. So I want to give him a <laughs> shout out too. Uh, but we want to move on to Quiet Valley. And Hannah, you've been so patient. I hope it is it as wonderful as it looks where you are right now. <laughs> this setting is just absolutely <laughs> unlike anything else you've ever seen. Because this is the original 1700s farmhouse that was built oh, wow. here at the based our living museum around. And this room in particular is the very first room that was built here on the farm. She arrived in the area with her parents. She helped dig out this very room that we're in right now. And really? probably dug into a, a hill of dirt. So it stays very cool in the summertime. We're staying nice and warm here in the wintertime. Um, but this is actually the site of a very unfortunate tragedy that involves Catherine's own granddaughter, right in front of this very fireplace here. Yeah. Right. Go, go ahead, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> See, Catherine was uh, the youngest, not the youngest, but the only surviving child of the Deppers. They're the ones who moved here from Germany, what is now called Germany. It wasn't called Germany back then. And they had answered kind of like an existing invitation at that time from this gentleman named William Penn, who had since passed on, but the old invitation was still there to come make a new life here and escape serfdom. So they did, they fled the area, came over here into the, the US and eventually found their way here, dug this out of the side of a hill of dirt 
and basically made a new home. She grew up here, married Johann Ludwig Meyer, which then they became the Meyer family. And they lived a very hard life. And we don't exactly know what Catherine and um, Johann's wedding was like themselves because they had lived a really hard life. She being the only surviving child of a family that fled from serfdom over in Europe. And he being a poor unfortunate boy that was kidnapped, conscripted into the Hessian army, sent over to the U.S. to serve to fight against these crazy Americans and their upstart ways over here. And um, had been captured, sent to a POW camp, and when he got out, couldn't make his way back to Europe, stayed here, found Captain, married, and started their life here. So their wedding, we don't know. However, wow. time their granddaughter, Leah, came around, we're two generations into the family, and they are much more established. They've expanded the fields, the corn, they've uh, increased their livestock, and they expanded this room itself. So they actually doubled the size of this room. They added a root cellar that goes, it's right here, I'm sitting right next to it. <laughs> further, which you think this is dark and spooky. Uh, and they also enlarged the fireplace that was here behind me. And so her, her wedding was going to be a great thing. But unfortunately, this right here is where she spent her last month before she was just tragically struck down. And it was while the whole community was on their way here to visit her. They were coming to help celebrate this young couple. She was 18 years old. She oh was getting preparing for her wedding before she even knew who or even if she was going to be married. They would have, she would have worked from a young age on a dowry chest, which is what they filled with everything they would need for a new life with a, a, a new family, possibly on a new farm. And so she put in there everything she'd need by hand, including blankets, curtains, bed ticking, clothing, bags, dried herbs, seeds, everything she would need. And so when they were preparing for this wedding here, the... It's not like a wedding we think of today. Today, like mm -hmm. wedding, scenery, setting, decorations. They wouldn't have had the kind of all-out decorations that we're used to. They would have had um, wheat decorations or small cloth or something like that to use to decorate. But really what a wedding was about was about the food. And given that she was getting married in August, they had the whole bounty of fruits, vegetables, cured uh, pork from the previous winter. And Pennsylvania cooking is known for savory meals and sweet desserts. And so she would have been here just absolutely working hard to get everything done and get ready for this big wedding and all these guests that were coming to help celebrate. And so while she was there in charge and, and kind of taking over everything to be done here, a storm passed through the area. It passed right through the valley, passed right over the house. And a little bit of rain on a wedding day isn't gonna stop anybody. However, when they heard thunder rumbling through the valley, they had no idea what an ill omen that stormy day actually would mean for this particular wedding. And when the undeniable power of a lightning bolt came forth, it searched for the shortest distance to get to ground. And unfortunately, that was down through this very chimney. And it was drawn to the metal cooking implements she would have had in her hands. Oh, and her heart to get to the dirt floor that she was standing on. And by necessity, her wedding now became her funeral. Oh, and all she helped make was now turned into food for all the people who were coming to help mourn her. And so the, the newspapers at the time said that there was a hundred wagon, uh, wagons that came to, and not, not having people on foot that came in the area, there was a hundred wagons that came here to mourn her and to see her body transferred to the Schaefer Schoolhouse 
where the final ceremony was held, and she is currently built in the currently buried in the Schaefer uh, Cemetery. Her family, however, lived on, particularly her younger sister Hannah, good name, um, who took over the farm, and then the farm was handed down through other generations until it has become what it is today. Quiet Valley Living Historical Farm, where we celebrate the lives of not only the Pepper Meyer family, but of the average person who lived in the 1718 or early 1900s, who usually don't appear in textbooks or with all the fame and glory and notoriety, but mm. they are an indelible part of our history and American history for having lived and died in amongst us without the notoriety of. of some of the more scandalous ones, but they make our life. What a mean, sad story. <laughs> so do, is there, uh, um, are there any reports of any like ghostly type things or, or is it more just the story of the tragedy? Our, our volunteers and some of our workers try and absolutely convince us that doors open and close. <laughs> Own that they, you know, they, they sometimes feel like they're being watched. I, I'm not going to be convinced of any of it, but if Leah is still hanging about in any way, shape, or form, she would be very comforted by the fact that, or discomforted by the fact that the very place where she lived and died still looks so much like what she was used to when she was here. That's that, and that's a great segue too for us to begin to to give everybody a chance here to talk about what's coming up and what what you do. Can, Hannah, can you tell us a little bit about what is going on uh, or, or what Quiet Valley? Living Historical Farm is, and if there's any other events that you would like to talk about that are coming up soon? Oh my goodness, yes, of course. Uh, the big one that's coming up is, of course, we have our spooky days that are going to be next weekend. It's going to be the 28th and 29th, starting at 5. There's a circle, spinning circle of doom. Am I still there? Okay, yes. Yep, yep, yep. Booking online is yeah. the best way to make sure you get a, a time slot so you know when to arrive to get right underway for our murder mystery that we have here. We have actors that are pretending to be from the 1800s, and guess what? Someone's dead, Ooh. and you are there to help them find out who. And that will be happening uh, next Friday and Saturday evenings. And then in December, we'll be having our old-time Christmas. The first two weekends of December, we again, we dress up in costume, and we present the 1800s at Christmas time here in the farm, including a visit from the Belschnickel, who is a Pennsylvania Dutch kind of Krampus, old St. Nick style yeah. visitor who uh, would come and make sure that the bad children and good children each knew who they were. All right. Well, we're looking forward to that. Well, I didn't, I didn't know that's true. I didn't even know that you guys did spooky days. It's so fun. Yes. We have to check more. I dropped the link in the chat for everybody. And Sarah, we, we talked about, was coming up with Siegel Museum for the uh, Erie Easton walking tours. I'm sure you have more going on. Did you want to talk a little bit about anything else that's coming up? Uh, sure, sure. So um, the Erie walking tours, uh, we are planning right now to have them through the end of October. We may extend the dates uh, a couple times into November, uh, depending on they are they are getting booked up pretty, pretty quickly. Um, we are also uh, co-collaborating with the Easton Book Festival. As you see, yep. uh, we're going to be busy this weekend and I believe next weekend as well. Um, we have a completely booked up and sold out author talk with Dr. Katherine Ramsland. She yeah. has written quite a few books on haunted Lehigh Valley. Um, and I just recently found out that she 
actually co-authored the BTK Killers autobiography. I, I read it. She signed that for me. I don't know if that's weird or not, but I have that book. Yes. Oh. She, I, I learned from her, like she was exchanging letters with him. I oh. get it. That's a whole other thing, but yeah. Like, oh my goodness. Very yeah. world-renowned so, author. That's amazing. Yeah, so we are we are going full speed ahead up until the end of the year. So please come on out to what you are able to make it to. We're going to have extended hours for Easton Winter Village. Um, we hope to see you in the next few months. All right. And last but certainly not least, Craig, I hope, have you experienced any hauntings in the last 15 minutes while you were on hold there? No, I did move, <laughs> I, I did move closer to the router because I was... I going in and out. So the router is right here next to me just to make sure that my connectivity would stay the same. That's it. That's about it. That's the most otherworldly thing I had to deal with. So I'm going to throw it to you. Any upcoming things that you would like people to know about? We got your well, event page here. I'm going to throw it in the chat. Yes, sir. Um, our um, Facebook page is where we are is much okay. more um, robust than gotcha. uh, our website because we find that our members like really like Facebook better than they like searching the web. Um, so this weekend, uh, Kurtztown is having haunted tours this this uh, Friday and Saturday. However, they are guided tours and they are sold out, so I can't plug it. Mm. Um, but on Sunday at 1 o'clock here at the 1892 Public School Building, which is at the corner of Normal Avenue and South White Oak Street, at 1 o'clock, the mayor of Kutztown is going to be giving a presentation, Kutztown Then and Now, uh, showing historic buildings, uh, and sites, et cetera, throughout the town, what they look like back in the late 1800s, early 1900s compared to today, and the history of those buildings, et cetera. Our big event of the year, oh, did you have a question? I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, our that big could have been a ghost you heard because nobody yeah. said anything. So I oh, just, that's a, Well, they're probably careful. telling me, don't forget, don't forget. Yeah. Our big event of the year is November 12th. That is our annual holiday festival. We've been having it for over 40 years. Uh, it usually kicks off the holiday season in the Kutztown area. It's uh, Saturday, November 12th from 9.30 to 3.30. We have uh, food. We have music. We have um, our holiday train display. It's a beautiful HO train Ooh. display. We have a very active group that it takes up a big chunk of our, our basement. It's enormous. Uh, that'll be running. We're having a quilt raffle. We will have artists and crafters here. Um, it's our, our big fundraiser of the year. And our Victorian school building is all decorated for the holidays. It's just a beautiful thing to visit at the time. And then... Oh, go ahead. Keep going. The following weekend, we start... I talked about our train display. Well, this has become very popular. I don't know if any of you know any train people or know of them, but they're all, they love this stuff and kids love it. So every Sunday um, from the... Do 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 the what is it? Is that the twenty first, the twentieth, the twentieth? Every Sunday from November twentieth through the end of January, we are open from one to three, and the trains okay. will be running. Uh, so bring the kids out to see that, and our admission is always free here. We never charge admission. Oh, good to know. Well, I have one more plug for, of course, uh, Lea Valley LVHistory.org, where you can find more information about all these uh, different organizations and spots. And I also want to make sure that I plugged our own 12 foot tall skeleton crawl. I dropped that in the chat as well. It's a lot of fun. Um, these are all user submitted. You can drive around the Lehigh Valley and look at your, your favorite skeletons. Uh, Sarah and Hannah and Craig, thank you so much. This was one of my, 
I can take this off now. This is one of my more favorite ones that we've ever done. This was this was a blast. Um, oh wait, we didn't talk about Howie. I want to make <laughs> sure we give him a shout because Howie always, um, Howie always watches these. And so Sarah, is this one of him giving a tour? Yes, uh, Howie. Uh, uh, God, so weird. Howie's my father, and every time I say <laughs> oh, him by his okay. first name, I feel like, whoa, this feels wrong. Um, yeah. So uh, Howie does the uh, five o'clock Sunday tours for Easton, and they are always packed. And I will caution you, as he will as well. He is very much a storyteller, so be prepared to walk and listen to some stories. And that's the whole point of a lot of these. Are so much fun, and there's so much history that goes along with this. It's just another, I think, a great way. Um, to learn more about history. It's just a little bit more, you know, macabre this time of year. Uh, again, guys, thank you so much. This was a, a, a truly a pleasure for me to, to learn more about these stories. And thank you to everybody who's watching. Of course, uh, LV History, Leah Valley Passport to History, lvhistory.org. I'm your host, not the bell guy, George Wacker. And we hope you guys all have a great evening. Thank you so much. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Wave bye, Harmony. <laughs>